Before we start today's episode, I wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity. Next month, we are opening up a handful of spots inside the Next Level Club. Now, if you don't know what the Next Level Club is, it is our group coaching program for creative service providers who want to scale their business. Now, I want to give you a bit of a sense check of if this is the right fit for you. We work with people who are creative service providers, as I've said. So if you're a photographer, if you're a designer, if you're a copywriter, or if you're a consultant, and it's a perfect fit for you if you're currently earning 5K a month or more, if you're ready for fast growth, and if you want me as your coach to guide you along the way. Now, if you're interested, I want you to take action. Open up Instagram right now, you know, provided you're not driving. Send me a DM with the words next level. You can find me at lalasocialclub.co and from there I'll flick you all of the glorious details. No, seriously, do it right now before you forget, okay? Because I know how these things go. You forget, you get distracted, you start cleaning, you start doing other things, you start watching friends for the fifth time. You know what I mean? So are you doing it? Okay, good. (laughs) I can sense it. Okay, good. Let's dive in to the episode. Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Well, hello, and welcome back to My Business Playbook. It's good to be with you. How are you going? I hope that you're having a wonderful week. I hope that you are winning and that you're feeling good because I'm feeling good today. I have had my coffee. My dog is, uh, he's actually locked in my room right now, my bedroom, because he tends to bark while I'm trying to record these things because he wants me to throw the tennis ball, the tiny, tiny tennis ball. And he also thinks I need to go outside and take him for a walk, which, you know, to be fair, is true. I probably should do that. Uh, But I am feeling good today. I'm excited about this conversation. We're talking all things email management. Now, we're not talking email marketing. We're talking about managing your inbox. Oh, now I got to say, I left this conversation and had a bunch of notes of things that I was going to action and change in my inbox and how we manage our inboxes as a team. Because we get a lot of emails and <laughs> it can be a little bit overwhelming managing your inboxes, right? Like it can feel like, oh my goodness, am I ever going to get to inbox zero ever? So today we're having a conversation with Yarrow Starak, and he is the co-founder of Inbox Done. And essentially what he and his team do is they go into businesses and they help you to manage your email inbox more efficiently. So he understands systems, understands organization. He's also run a coaching business on the side as well. So he knows what it's like to get overwhelmed by your inbox and also how important it is to stay on top of those sales conversations that happen in your inbox. So it's not just like email marketing campaigns and things that you get. It's like, actually, you've got prospects in your inbox. So how do you make sure that you're staying on top of that? You're going to love this conversation. It's super practical, super helpful. And I know that there are going to be things you take away. All right, let's dive in to my conversation with the wonderful Yarrow. 
Well, welcome, Yarrow. It is so good to have you here. I'm really excited to talk with you about all things email management. Oh, my goodness. For all of my busy listeners, all of my um, creatives who are like, oh, my gosh, like my inbox freaks me out. You're going to love this conversation. So I'd love to just dive straight in, Yarrow. Tell me about your business. What, what do you do at Inbox Done and how did you start? Uh, thanks, Laura. I know I, I appreciate the chance to pitch my business from right at the start of the interview. Um, <laughs> it's called Inbox Done. It's exactly what it sounds. It's an email management virtual assistant company. So we, we have uh, executive virtual assistants, you know, English is the first language, attention to detail, you know, emotional empathy, all the things you'd really want when someone's stepping in and actually replying to your emails. So we uh, basically give you two assistants. Every client gets two assistants and they dive in, learn everything they can about you, your business, uh, essentially attempt to clone you. That's our ultimate goal so that we can then reply to your emails as good or if not even better than you because uh, as you know very well, founders are so busy that often email is like, one sentence replies so they can get through emails quickly and then you're kind of like you know not really giving a solid answer so when you have someone whose actual job is just email they can put the time and effort into replying and really giving that follow-up and making sure you know all opportunities are, are taken advantage of and um the origin story is actually what you expect typical entrepreneur story i was the first client long time ago <laughs> yes. actually i was um I was running a, a, an editing and proofreading company straight out of university, um, running it from Brisbane, actually. And I went down to Sydney for a conference. I went and like I was supposed to be having a good time, but I was just stuck to my email. Um, that business was very email intensive, forwarding work between contractors and clients. And by the end of that trip, I realized I had to get out of the inbox or I'd never have that kind of, you know, I called it a laptop lifestyle. I wanted the freedom to sort of own a business but not be owned by it and i put in place uh, an assistant to take it over it was a total experiment never thought you know it was wasn't common so i hadn't heard of someone handing over email to someone else and it worked better than, than i thought like i i spent about a month really training her up on how to do my email for that company and um woke up on a monday morning turned on my computer and the inbox was at zero I thought something was broken with my website, but it turned out that she just stepped in and answered the emails before I'd woken up. And uh, since then, I've always had one or two or even three assistants managing uh, email for whatever business I've had in the last sort of 20 years since then. And uh, then we started a business about it to help other entrepreneurs. I love that. I love that you saw the need for yourself and then you went, oh my gosh, other people probably need this as well. When... You know, and I know for so many of our listeners, they're creative, they're entrepreneurial, uh, but for a lot of them, they might be a kind of a one-man band. They might just be running their business by themselves. How does someone know, you know, I think we all know, okay, gosh, we don't want email to r rule our lives. We don't want, I love what you just said about, I want to own a business. I don't want to be owned by a business. How do we recognize this tipping point of, oh, like I just need to organize my life better versus no, I really need someone else to handle this email management for me. What what was that tipping point like for you? Yeah, it was definitely not straightforward. Like I was pretty tight with my money, to be absolutely honest, when I did this for the first time. And, and this was a decision to keep more profit in my pocket or spend some of that profit and gain back a whole bunch of time. 
Um, and it was yeah. a long time, I'll be honest, before I finally said, you know what, this is crazy. If I'm going to ever scale, expand, do something else, even, you know, exercise, take a holiday, th this is something I'm going to have to hand over. And when I did it, yeah, it did. It was a hit to my finances. But of course, with the freedom, then I was able to expand and, you know, grow the company and therefore ultimately make more money eventually um, because I was yeah. free to, to market the business. So I think that's the way to look at it. And there's a, a sweet spot, though, like we're not a cheap service. Um, and even if you did this yourself, it's it's a serious virtual assistant role. This is not kind of like $5 an hour virtual assistant. Yeah. Where you might be throwing admin tasks, you know, maybe basic social media. We, we're like, we don't outsource uh, offshore. Well, it depends where you are. We are offshore for Australia being in North America, yeah. but you know, we, we hire people who are English first language and not going to the typical outsourcing countries. And yeah. you know, nothing wrong with doing that, but we just found for email in particular, you just have to have that really strong attention to detail. Um, you have to trust the person. They're going in and replying to your messages. It could be your potential clients they're dealing with. It could be your business partners could even be your mom and dad they're writing emails to one day you know yeah. so you, you need to trust the person to do a good job so it's not like the most entry-level virtual assistant type service but if your cash flow is there and you're super busy you're the right mm. person for it because your per hour rate for yourself if you would free up like simple just look at how much time you spend in your inbox a day it's yeah. probably two three four or five hours if that's you and you could get those two three four or five hours back what would you yeah. do with that time? Would it be write, write a book? Would it be start a whole new business? Could it be exercise, travel, spend time with family, even just grow your business, put, put some effort into marketing to double the size of your company. And suddenly that makes a lot of sense. You just, you know, you got yeah. the ROI, but it does, yeah. you have to, you can't be a beginner, I guess. You don't want to, like, if you're one person show and you're literally making $2,000 a month and that's your salary, you, you're not ready. You need to kind of keep going yeah. and, and expand and, you know, increase your cash flow a bit. I love that. Okay, there are two things you just said that I'm like, I'm scribbling notes because I want to make sure I don't forget to speak to those and to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the first thing is outsourcing uh, through like an Upwork or something similar to that. My experience has been, you know, for me, I, I, I don't outsource social media because it's like, our whole thing <laughs> if, if that if we outsource that that would kind of like yeah it would be kind of silly for us to outsource that that's our strength but I have worked with um Filipino VAs and and done a bit there my experience was it actually took for someone who was busy and who was like oh my gosh I need stuff off my plate ASAP I actually found that a lot of the time I was there, – there was a communication breakdown, of course, which, which kind of makes sense. But there was also the element of a lot of the things that I would delegate, I would then have to go back and go through it, you know, step by step again just to make sure everything was right. And so it was this thing of – I was kind of like, why am I doing this? Because it's, it's actually adding more to my list um, so I, I understand the, like, I, I think that's really cool. Your niche, you know, that you're where your space kind of sits. So for someone who is thinking, okay, maybe I want to go down the route of 
delegating, you know, via Upwork or something, if they don't feel like they're ready for inbox done, what would you suggest are the key things we need to look for when we are outsourcing to someone to manage our emails um, or any communication? Okay. Yeah. I totally agree with you with the, the outsourcing. I I hate picking on countries and saying it's the Philippines or it's India or it's whatever. Cause I have also right now I'm working with some amazing Ukrainian engineers for software development. So you can do that Absolutely. Um, in the same. Yeah. But I've also had terrible experiences where I've gone to the Philippines and hired, you know, consecutively eight people who for whatever reason, one disappeared, one started working and decided they didn't want to work anymore. One, like you said, I had to go and basically redo all their work. Um, and it's kind of why our company exists. We, we realized, especially with email, you don't want to just hire a VA and then say, I need you to take over my email because they come back to you and say, sure, I can do that. And then they wait for you to tell them how to do it. And then, you know, you're, you're not really delegating, you're teaching someone. And then they kind of realize, oh, wow. I don't maybe want to do this job. And then you've spent a month teaching them and then they leave, right? This is why yeah. those kind of situations don't tend to work out. Um, so I think to answer your question twofold, if you are just getting started, first time delegating, outsourcing anything, call it out tasking rather than outsourcing. You're not going to hire necessarily a regular, you know, full-time, part-time, even maybe just a one task person because it's a nice way to dip your toes into it. I did this with my coaching business. You know, I would need, uh, let's just say some... Um, slides done for a presentation you know it's a one-off contract task i'm not a slide designer i I didn't want to spend time in keynote or powerpoint or whatever um, preparing all of this so i could write down the notes and prepare what i'd want for my slides and then go to upwork or fiverr or um, i'm actually using contra.com a lot at the moment for some other things and i'd say this i just need these slides made and it it might be a one-off hundred buck project the good thing is you you know, you can get that done. It's going to be much better than you doing it yourself. It'll be 30 minutes for them versus five hours for you. So, you know, it's, it makes sense on so many levels and um, it's a way to sort of experience delegating something and you can jump from out task to out task. And then if you've got, uh, you know, a business that's big enough, maybe consider bringing on someone as a, a kind of like, I like the project manager role where you're, able to rely on that person to kind of coordinate things and you know just go through checklists start building some systems just so you can rely on that for the admin and the routine things like even just update the software fill out the details when we're creating something new um you know basic social media all that kind of stuff you can start handing over and then when you get you know, next level, that's when you start really building a, a, a real team. That's when I think you've got, you know, probably a, a web person that like for a website building and doing the entire web platform, your landing pages, your squeeze pages, your website, all of that. I, I have, I've had a person, her name is Carly. I work with her. Um, she lives in Northern New South Wales. And I think I've been working with her for like, probably like, almost 15 years now as a contractor she's just been my uh, my web person she's every single website i've had every single landing page for some kind of coaching campaign she's just been the go-to person for that and that was huge because for the first five or six years of me as a solo entrepreneur online i tried to learn html and this is a long time ago we didn't have these great tools like we've got now like uh 
WordPress and Webflow and Squarespace yeah. and Wix and whatever it is, you, you know, click funnels and all these kind of tools where you can do more yourself without the technical skills. But I would still even argue that it's better to hand tech over to one tech person. Oh, yeah. It's just off your plate. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And then design and then customer support and email. Like for me, those things are the three most important things to hand over. Um, my creative ability that I like to spend time on is writing. I still write a blog and a newsletter and I, I love doing that. And I've, over time, I've become more of a like a resource organizer. You know, I, I tell people to go do stuff, like go do it and then come back and, and ask me to look at it. and I go yes or no. And, you know, coordinate the, the moving of resources rather than creating things myself. And that yeah, includes email that. Um, with delegating an email. Like our with inbox done, you know we 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 step in and help a company. We're not learning how to delegate email. We have a system that we use for all clients that we step in and apply to every client. Although yeah. every business is different, email tends to be very much the same. So that's why I don't think you sort of outtask email to any kind of general VA. Yeah. We exist because we bring in a system and then we roll it out and then you know you go through a handover process. But we have tested and and done it now over many many clients so we've got that familiarity and that experience so if you know if you're ready for that that's why we exist as a company yeah and it's the the curse of knowledge isn't it as the business owner it's kind of like a, it's hard to hand over something like email or socials or even content creation because you're the one who knows everything and so you're the bottleneck in all the things and mm -hmm. if you could alleviate one of those bottlenecks, it's just going to help you um, a bunch. The second thing I, that you said earlier was knowing what your hourly rate is. Can you talk to us about, because I think for a lot of people, this, this idea of, oh, well, I don't know what my hourly rate is. Like, I, I don't know what it is. So how would you define or identify what your hourly rate is uh, as a business owner? You know, I, I did um, a coaching program a long time ago with a guy named Richard Seffrin. And it was the first time uh, during that program where someone said to me, what is your hourly rate as the entrepreneur? And, and before that, my mm. mindset, and to be honest, this is still the case today, my mindset was always, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't have an hourly rate. I became an entrepreneur to avoid the pay by the hour kind of yeah. you know, system of employment yeah. and, you know, all that, that kind of work. So... I hated the idea of actually looking at how much my time was worth because it, it made it seem, I don't know, too transactional and, and uh, yeah. I wanted to be free and, and creative. <laughs> However, going through this process, I realized, okay, it is valuable to put a number on your time when it comes to delegating and building teams because then you can evaluate, all right, if I have an hour to use what is the highest leverage use of that time based on how my business grows? And that also ties into what I'm best at. I think that's the thing I really liked about this. It made me go, okay, you can call it whatever you like, your zone of creative genius or just the thing you've always done and you enjoy doing and you've gotten really good at it. Um, and there's a return on investment on it. So yeah. I realized if I could sit in cafes and write blog posts and newsletters all day long for a long period of time, not so much nowadays, but certainly for my coaching career, that's what I enjoy doing. And if I could have a machine running around that 
that produced income. So I had all those team members, a web person, email manager, designer, all of that. And then I had a coaching practice selling courses and a membership site. Yeah. I could just sit, write newsletters and blog posts. And, uh, you know, the ROI was huge. I could write one blog post, have 20 people sign up for a course and make $20,000. So you might, yeah. if you really want to get clever with your numbers, that could be two hours for $20,000 in return. Which then yeah. if you say, oh, I, if I spent two hours just answering emails and I make nothing from and I'm really just kind of treading water, then clearly the numbers don't work out well. Uh, and you mm. can, you know, cross-reference any activities and just that's the way I like to look at it. Rather than maybe specifically putting a strict metric on your time, just compare activities and which ones are high value move yeah. the needle, big ROI activities. And if, if you don't have an operating business yet, like you're still in the startup phase, what are the activities that move you as quick as possible to making some kind of sale? Because that's ultimately what makes business work. So if they're not things you're doing each day that don't directly or somehow connect to making a sale, then you know you don't do them. And that includes like, don't answer basic emails. Like It's funny because you get this sense of accomplishment getting to inbox zero, you know, clearing yes. the... Um, the software update emails, the spam messages, and then you've spent two hours doing it and you've actually done absolutely nothing for your business, created no content, made no relationships, didn't create product, didn't run a marketing campaign. There was no moving forward stuff there, yet you felt like you did something. And that's really dangerous because you keep doing that, you're, you're going to end up with you know no progress. So, And if you tie that with metrics, yeah. then then you're, you know, you're on the right way. And I love that, that thought, Yara, around... It's not so much your hourly rate because I'm, I'm a big believer like you. I'm like, no, don't, you don't get paid for the hour. You get paid for the value that you bring to the hour, right? So I, I'm a big believer in that. And this isn't to say to clients you should say what your hourly rate is. But I think internally, and even I'm thinking about the tasks that I've done this morning, I'm like, should I have been doing those tasks if my hourly rate is X would and if I were paying myself that hourly rate, would I have spent my time on that particular task, that administrative like, oh, I'm just gonna update my Slack or whatever? It's like sometimes you're so right. Like we can get addicted to the the like little. Um, it's almost like there's a little dopamine hit with Endorphins. getting to yeah. yeah. It's like getting to inbox zero, getting those those things off our list done. And then when it comes to the real, like the needle moving activities, we go, oh, I don't have enough time. But if we were really diligent in managing our time and measuring and tracking what we spend our time on, I do wonder how many of us would go, I'm a glorified admin person. I'm not an entrepreneur. Mm. I haven't spent any time on things that are going to generate revenue or help my clients succeed. So I think it's really valuable to start thinking about how we could be tracking our time and and really, I guess, objectively looking at how we spend our time. Do you do you have any strategies on how to do that? Do you do you do any of this work with your clients? How does that kind of look? More so with like an education business, I certainly, I did that, you know, a one, yeah. it's probably best to look at the founder. I think the founder, even if it's an agency business, a freelancer, a coach, um, the person who's kind of driving the business, especially if you're small, you know, you're, you're not like a company where you've got uh, teams creating product for you. You're just kind of like 
a giant project manager. But if you're the person who's really moving all the parts still, then like you just said, it's so easy to kind of ask yourself, okay, if my time is worth, let's say in peak mode, when I create a product and I know that product's going to, or a service a product, or I'm going to be delivering for a client and I can just break it down. I spent 10 hours. The, the, the project itself was $2,000 that month. And, and then I know, you know, it, it was like a $200 an hour kind of time frame. And then you can look at, all right, I answered these emails or I replied to these comments on Facebook or, you know, all these other things that might be busy work that don't actually do anything. And you look at your, the, the time there was zero, right? So you didn't get any return on investment. But there's a risk here too. And this is where I think um, entrepreneurs who are new to entrepreneurship have to be careful because they don't know what the activities are yet that actually deliver mm. a result. With hindsight, I feel comfortable going, okay, I know today I spent way too much time, you know, scrolling up and down on TikTok because it didn't do anything productive yeah. at all. Or, you know, I, I, if I didn't, my rule in the past used to be if I did not create a piece of content, it wasn't a good day. There had to be some piece of content. Nowadays, it's like, you know, how many discovery calls do we get booked for potential new clients? Because I'm the, the chief marketing officer for Inbox Done. So I'm always looking yeah. at, okay. How many, how many discovery call bookings are on this week? That's my metric for assessing my effectiveness. And it's easy then for me to tie back my activities. I'm like, am I doing things that are going to generate new potential discovery calls, which is just things like, you know, tweaking our Google ads campaign, showing up on a podcast like this to talk about my company inbox done, you know, the, those kind of things are yeah. directly correlated to discovery calls. So if I'm not doing those things, then I'm not moving the needle forward. But you always have to ask yourself, especially at the beginning, what are the things that generate clients? And until you've generated a client, you, you might not know what that is. So yeah. you kind of need a little bit of maybe this is when coaching comes into play. So coaches have the experience to say, listen, if you're not building your email list or you're not um, running some kind of traffic building marketing campaign to expose your offer to an audience, you're actually not doing something that's going to bring in a sale, in which case, yeah. you know, we need to get you doing that. Yeah. And my big thing that I say to people all the time is when you're starting out, your primary focus areas are marketing and sales like that. They're the big things that you need to be focusing on because they drive revenue. And then finally, later, you can start looking at, well, how do we create standard operating procedures? How do we refine our systems? How do we make sure that we've got a you know client success team or any of those things? But initially, you can't do any of that stuff unless you have revenue and unless you have profit. So it's really about, I really believe that when you're starting out, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I am drowning in the admin tasks, what can you do and how many sales do you need to make in order to invest in getting some help, um, whether it's a virtual assistant or whether it's like Yarrow was saying, outtasking, not necessarily completely outsourcing a whole project, but what can you get off your plate and how much revenue do you need to make in order to get that to be viable? Because I think we can think, oh, I can't afford it and I don't have time. And then you're stuck. <laughs> you're like, well, then I've got to keep doing it. So if you could actually reverse engineer it and say, well, how much would it cost me to hire or outsource or outtask this element? And how do I generate that amount of sales? And then go on and 
get moving to go do that. <laughs> I think it, we can yeah. get caught in that analysis paralysis, right? Where we think, oh my gosh, I need oh, to yeah. do all this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 marketing and sales, focus on those things. And then you can afford to start to actually outsource and delegate to people who are awesome at those those elements that you might not be great at. Exactly. So, one thing I love about your process, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this for anyone who is thinking about outsourcing. One thing I love about your, your process is that you have this like complete handover process. And, and this is, I think, where the wheels have come off for me in the past when I've been outsourcing. There hasn't been a very, I, I give SOPs and I give, you know, and they're just standard operating procedures. They're just like a one pager that says how to do a task. But I think what's cool about your process is that you actually try to clone the founder and like you're replicating the voice and the writing style and the emails. So talk to us about this because I haven't heard of people doing this before. Why do you think this is so important? I think because it's email where I mean, you can ask yourself, if you thought right now someone was going to answer your emails, you're thinking, well, they have to be a clone of me in order to answer emails as if, you know, as doing a good as job as me, which is not the same for other things you might outsource. You know, you can say, yeah. go build my website, but you don't have to be me. You know, you can say, go run my social media campaigns. You don't have to be me. Uh, if email, you, in some level, there is a certain amount of knowledge needed, uh, tone, writing style. What are the functions of your business? What does it do? You know, a little bit of sales and marketing there, positioning, um, nuance of, of what a customer is looking for. So it's, it's a little tricky um, because our clientele is very different. I think I mentioned off air, we, we have like the last few clients have signed up was a, a vegan bakery. A marriage celebrant living in the Caribbean, um, used car salesperson, a venture capitalist. Uh, you know, it's all over the place. But yeah, when we come in, we do the same process with everyone. We 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 actually spend a lot of time in your sent folder. We go to your sent folder and we just look. What are you writing? What kind of questions are you responding to? You know, what's common? What can be templated SOPs? What can we build SOPs around? Um, and then, of course, it's the more nuanced things. Let's let's get a feel for the tone. Are you, are you kind of like, like everyone has their own email writing tone? It can be very direct, can be more upbeat and, you know, super over the top, happy and friendly. Um, it can be like I've been told I'm almost not rude, but I'm very like so to the point that people, if they don't like understand, I'm just trying to be efficient. They think I'm being, I'm angry, you know, and I'm not. Yes. I'm just, it's the way I communicate in written text. Sometimes <laughs> like in a Slack message or an email. Um, so there's that getting used to that and, and figuring it out. But then there's the the act of actually writing emails. And then, you know, we part of this cloning process is writing draft emails and making sure you're happy with the drafts and feeling comfortable with what's being sent on your behalf. And when we say clone, you know, we're not pretending to be you. Your assistants step in and we we are acting as individual people who represent your company, you know, staff members and not pretending to be Laura. Yeah. So they're not, you know, impersonating you. But yeah, it is something that's important. But, you know, as a practice, it is interesting. It, it is unique to our business because of what we do, but it's actually probably a very good way to look at a system building process, you know, not to say cloning a person, but cloning a process and every mm. process of a company needs to be informed by certain core elements, the positioning, 
What's yeah. your offer? You know, pricing, what's your target audience? What problem do you help them solve? All these things that the owner probably knows in, inherently from having run the business and marketed and sold, that sort of needs to be absorbed, whether you're doing a single outsourcing task or running a whole section of a person's company. It just happens for us. We, we do email. We have to do that from day one. The great thing about that, it's meant that our company, and thanks to my co-founder, Claire, to be absolutely honest, it's so systematized already. Like Love we it. have four or five people in management. They each have like one's a matching manager, one's a hiring manager, one's an onboarding manager. Uh, I'm, you know, the sales manager. And we have a couple of sales assistants and it's very clearly delineated roles that just kind of hand over from a, a person person showing interest in our company to signing up as a client to going through that cloning process to then making sure they're happy over time and, you know, continuing to deliver the service. So we got to practice what we preach in that regard. Yeah, I love that. So for anyone who is, I have kind of two kind of big final questions for you. For someone who is realizing, okay, I'm sure I could manage my inbox better myself before I outsource, I kind of want to have a go at just streamlining my own processes first. What would be some quick ways that someone could really quickly organize and streamline their inbox um, themselves? The do-it-yourself method? Yeah. Yeah. So- Yep. And obviously this is usually when you don't have the money to outsource, which is totally fine. Yeah. The first thing to do is is to go, what you and I have been talking about this entire interview is figuring out the high value activities. And you can apply the exact same methodology to email. What are the high value emails that I should spend my time on that do move the needle forward, which will be things like uh, lead nurturing. So potential clients becoming clients or potential sales becoming sales. You said it before, marketing and sales. If they're not coming in, if there's no leads coming in or no potential sales, then what are the emails that are part of some kind of campaign, a relationship, finding a partner, an affiliate, um, uh, even just simple things like maybe finding the right person to manage a Facebook ads campaign or prepare your lead magnet. There's obviously a series of marketing steps to get to the point where you're getting customers so what are those emails what are those activities because it kind of extends beyond email like email is related to tasks there's a to-do list and emails are triggered by or cause a to-do list to be created so look at that create like a hierarchy of of importance there uh, i love the 80 20 rule and we all all know that one thanks to tim Ferriss with the four hour work week what are those 20 percent activities that deliver 80 percent results um then, uh, as a flip side to that, you've got that most useful, useless emails that you probably don't even need. There's so many newsletters and updates. And I mean, you get added to lists that you didn't even request to be added to because there's a lot of <laughs> list sharing going on, right? So get yourself yes. off all of those. Um, you know, don't be afraid to hit the mark spam button. I do that sometimes when I just can't be bothered to unsubscribe. I just go mark spam and we'll keep going to the spam folder. I won't see it again. And, th and that person's gone. So do that as you know, as much as you can yeah, <laughs> to get all that. the low level stuff out of the way. Um, and then, you know, there are some things you can do that I think are very effective for system building, which is simply like templating. Uh, that's the first thing we did when I actually brought an assistant, actually, where I said, 
I know I need more templates. I haven't gotten around to doing enough. I did maybe 10 and I really need 100. And I ended up hiring an assistant. And I, first thing to do, let's build every single template to deal with every single situation. So if you're strapped for cash, but you got the time, jump in there and just create some folders and some templates and some filters so that certain emails go to certain folders. Maybe based on, I, I think the um, urgency hierarchy has always been my favorite. So I need to get back to this in 24 hours versus I need to get back to it end of week versus I need to look at this, but I don't need to get back to it. That's kind of like the three point structure I used to run by. So urgent, got to do it within a week. Don't have to do it, but I want to see it at some point. That was kind of like my three folders. And then you can create filters to, you know, push the newsletters to the, I don't need to do it, but I need to see it once a month and then push the, you know, 24 hour emails because this is a potential client who needs to be replied to today and they want to get good customer service. And then there's stuff in between that. And then templates will help you speed up replies to common situations, especially really common things like, you know, if you're an agency or you're selling online courses, you're always going to get asked like, what do I get in this product or what do I get in this service? And it's just nice to have a template that says, here's all the amazing benefits and features of the thing you're going to buy. And this is why you should buy it. And of course, you you know, you customize that email a little bit to the person who's emailing you. But the facts and the figures that come after that can certainly be templated. So um, yeah. besides that, you know, without outsourcing, it's difficult. There's, you know, software you can install to make this faster. We use Yesware in our company for a lot of clients, just adds capacity to templates and reminders and triggers like that. And a lot of people are using things like Superhuman, which kind of, gives you some more quicker, you know, sliding and moving emails back and forth. But at the end of the day, it's it's all about figuring out what goes where and what's important and what's not. And I think you can do a lot just by making the decision to do everything I just said, basically yourself. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So after you've done that and you've you've kind of kind of bought yourself back some more time and then if you got to the point where you were like, okay, I want to delegate my email management to someone, what would be the first thing you would recommend someone do when it comes to onboarding a, an assistant to help them with managing their emails? So what we do at Inbox Done is actually what I did when I first outsourced. Like it's it's actually our company is an, is an evolution of me just doing this myself from my first company 20 years yeah. ago. So what I did was, hey, I don't know how to do this, but I do realize that that cloning process, I didn't call it that, but I was like, I need this person to get in and study my company. So go look at my webpage, go look at all my sales materials. Go look at the emails I've sent to potential clients in the past and look at as many of them as you can because you'll see multiple different questions about my products or services that I sell from different people and how I answer it. And that will start to give you a, like a all-round perspective because here's the tricky part. Um, email in for a lot of businesses is a sales and marketing yeah. role. I think a lot of life is a sales and marketing role in general, right? Yes. You're always selling something. <laughs> yep. But um, most people who you hire for this role will not call themselves a, a marketer. They'll just see themselves as an assistant, which means they're more like a robot in some senses. They're not there to do other anything other than make sure a reply is sent. They're not maybe looking at the emotional 
condition that the person who's emailing in is, or maybe they're not thinking about qualifying questions they need to know before they can present some information. Like maybe they should be identifying, like rather than go straight into a sales pitch, they should write back and say, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about your situation? Because you need to find out, do they have money to buy what you sell? Um, Are they, you know, a serious potential client or really just someone who's not even looking for buying anything they just want? you know, something free or some information you can get your free handout or something like that. So you need that sort of qualification process. And if you're not thinking sales and marketing, you don't know what the sequence of things is Mm. when it comes to interacting with people. So my assistant, part of the education process for them was I wanted to make sure they started to understand the nuance of A, learning about what's a priority, B, learning about the person who's emailing in and where we're trying to get them to get them to potentially become a customer so how far are they away do we need to guide them through some training some information some back and forth emails first to get them to the point where they're ready to buy and that takes time you know your email assistant who's brand new even with us we bring in people who are fully trained but they're still gonna have to learn what you sell and how you sell it and and then um, apply that uh, as they start to take over your email it's very nuanced, but it, it's possible. I think that's the most important thing to understand that you can have someone else reply to your messages who does as good, if not better job than yeah. you because it is their job all day long. That is so helpful. My mind is like blown at this because it makes sense now why you know, why it hasn't worked for me necessarily in the past to completely hand this over because – I haven't actually recognized that, oh my goodness, this is actually a sales and marketing role in the same way that um, someone responding to your direct messages on Instagram or Facebook, that is a marketing role. It's not an administrative function. It is a, a conversation with a potential client or customer. And so that just, oh my gosh, that makes it so much clearer to me how to onboard that person because it's like, they need to understand not just the functions of the business, but the overall sales and marketing objectives of the business. Who do we want to work with? What are their objections? How do we speak to that through our emails? How do we address that? Oh, that is my mind is just blown. It actually makes so much sense. And it's also an admin role too. Let's not forget there's yeah. a lot of emails that are, are very boring, like forward this receipt to the bookkeeper or, you know, update this software. Yeah. <laughs> so there has be, to be but, a, yeah. an attention to detail for sure. But also um, they can't just be a random person that you don't have any contact with that you're like, oh, I check in with my VA, you know, once a month or something. It's like they are a very, very important part of the team because Mm. of that sales element yeah and there's layers to this too like a lot of people outsource email but not the replies they'll outsource like folders filters moving things and letting you know where the important stuff is but they'll never reply to messages and we didn't want that i didn't want that i didn't want someone to just move emails around and maybe you know they defend me from the useless emails but i'm still stuck with two hours worth of replies yeah. that I have to do. I wanted that two hours to be done by someone else. So yes, you do need, and that's why we charge more money. We're not a cheap virtual assistant service because we're bringing yeah. people capable of learning about your company and you know performing that function. Yeah. 
I love that. That is so helpful. So for anyone listening, if you are in column A where you're starting to think, I reckon I could probably systemize my inbox and organize it better, then definitely listen back. You can rewind this. Listen back to the urgency hierarchy that Yarrow was talking about because that's really going to help you to organize your inbox. And Yarrow, I'm going to go and implement that on our inbox as well. If you're in column B where you're starting to think about outsourcing, you're starting to think about delegating some of this um, email inbox management, then make sure you go through those, those ideas of actually cloning yourself and don't skimp out on the onboarding with your person. Make sure that you spend the time with them so that they can get to know you and get to know your processes and your, your business really well. Yara, do you have any other final tips or tricks for us? You've shared so much already. <laughs> uh, you know, nothing, nothing to, no, no more big secrets here to reveal, I think, Laura. It, it's, uh, <laughs> business is so systematizable. I think that if, as a, an ending point here, I, I started off as an entrepreneur looking for financial freedom, but also time freedom. Yeah. And I remember as I studied people around me, there were the normal career oriented people who, you know, went and had jobs, did not want to be them. But then I found this other group of entrepreneurs who I thought I wanted to be them, but then I looked at their life and it was 12 hours a day of running a business. And it, it was in many ways more stressful and a lower per hourly rate than those career oriented people. And they didn't get weekends off where the career people did. So, yeah. um, and I was like, how do I, where's the sweet spot? And, you know, a lot of, um, uh, this is written about in books. Um, we mentioned the four hour work week. There's the e-myth. Uh, there's all these systems books out there, which you can, you know, sort of go out there and study. But until you actually practice the art of building a business that runs without you, you don't really appreciate what it goes into that. And I can say, especially now with inbox done, because it's not a coaching business or a Yarrow personal brand business, it's a, an agency with a team, uh, a team of delivering services and a management team that runs that, I can stop doing anything and that company will continue to run. Now, I still do choose to do discovery calls and perform some marketing functions because marketing is my jam, but yeah. I could step away from that very easily. And once that's like, when you make a sale or you're asleep or you take two weeks off and nothing changes, um, it's, it's a real hallelujah moment. And I think a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, even the best ones, re like for some reason, there's still this, I can't let go of this thing or, or, you know, I can't take this much time off because this would fall apart. And if, if that's your answer, then you haven't really built a business yet. You've still got a very high paying job possibly, but it breaks apart without you. So yeah. there are people who get super wealthy build businesses that run themselves and ultimately sell them of course but uh you know it's 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 a skill and a system that can be built for every type of business you just have to put in you know the work to do that that is so so valuable well yara where can people if someone is at the point where they're like no i want to outsource but i i really love this process of inbox done where can someone find you and connect with you further um, as I said, I still do some of the discovery calls. So if email management and having some of our team step in and take over your email is something you want, then inboxdone.com, book a discovery call. Chances are you, you probably get to speak to me. If not, it'll be me. It'll be Arman, our, our other sales manager. And uh, you can tell us about your business, what you're dealing with in email. If you have any questions about the nuance of taking 
over and someone actually stepping in and replying to your messages, then we can answer on that call. And hopefully we can break you free from that task of managing your email. Um, and if not email, you know, any, everything else out there, you just start to look at what you do each day and ask yourself, am I the best person to do that task? And that's how you can start looking to really delegate and uh, build a team around you. Incredible. All right. Well, we will link to that in our show notes. So if you're interested and if people just want to follow you and connect with you further, Yarrow, where should they do that? Uh, my blog is probably the best place to find everything. Um, Y-A-R-O.blog, Yarrow.blog. Uh, my podcast there, all my blog posts are there, links to all my projects there and social media, you know, YouTube channel, Twitter, LinkedIn, so many things going on nowadays. TikTok, <laughs> all <the things>. <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> it's like everything. Reels, yes. shorts. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what it's all like. Totally. <laughs> I know. But I love that you've got yarrow.blog. I could never get laura.blog ever. Are you sure you didn't try? <laughs> well, maybe I could. I don't think I would. I don't think I'd be able to. I can't Probably even. Probably gone by now. But. Yeah, I think so. It's like one of my friends ha- just has her first name as her Instagram handle, like just her first name. No that's, underscores. That's impressive. But is, is it is it some really weird name though? Like, Well, her name's well, Christiane, some... but it, it's not that weird a name, but it's just, I don't know. I'm like, that is just awesome. It's like Beyonce. <laughs> It's like you got to be fast. I, I, be I have fast. Yarrow only on my my Reddit. That's the one place I got my first name as my username. Everything else is my first and last name. But yeah, oh, but still, but I was just really early to Reddit. So. <laughs> it pays to be an early adopter. It does. It does. Well, thank you so much for your time. I have been taking notes. I've learned so much from this. So thank you so much. And for anyone listening who wants links, be sure to check the show notes out. Thanks, Laura. Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. I hope that you've taken notes and I hope that you've got a list of things that you can take action on to help you to manage your inbox more efficiently. As always, if you loved this episode, please Send me a message on Instagram. Send me a DM and let me know what you loved about it. Make sure that you share it with a business buddy who's going to find this useful. And if you really love it, then please leave us a review. That would mean the world to me. Okay, I love your work. I will see you back here same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, go get them.